0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, so, I mean, if you've been here for the past couple weeks, there's been a new person up here every time, so now it's my turn. Uh, my name is Nolan. If I don't already know you, you might know me. I did announcements uh, sort of at the beginning of the summer. Uh, I just did uh, worship a few weeks ago. Uh, apparently, I wasn't good enough at those two things, so I'm going to be up here preaching tonight. Um, we're actually gonna, we've been uh, this summer in the series called uh, How to Cope. And we've been looking at biblical perspective on how we should cope with the problems that we come here with. Um, so I'm not sure what you walked in the door with today, um, whether that's um, problems at work, problems with your family, um, you know, maybe you have a big test coming up, you've got midterms coming up right now. Um, maybe you're going through some trouble in a relationship, or you're dealing with some depression, anxiety. I don't, like I said, I don't know what that is in your life, but I hope that I can speak into that a little bit tonight, and I'm positive that God is here to minister to you in that. Um, so we're going to be talking about, again, how to cope from a b- biblical perspective, We've been walking through the Psalms of Ascent, um, so I thought the best way we could close out that series was by not touching any of them and just going straight into Ephesians. Perfect. Thank, yeah, perfect. Awesome. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 today, um, so if you've got a Bible, you can feel free to turn into that. Um, so Ephesians uh, is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. It's still a fairly young church, um, and he's expressing his thankfulness to God for them um, for the fact that they have come to faith in Christ, and he really just wants to reach out and make sure that their doctrine is sound, and he wants to instruct them in how to live the Christian life. So I thought it would be great for us um, to learn a little bit from today. So we're gonna start right here in chapter two, verse one. Um, I just wanted to point out here like Paul is pointing out first and foremost a problem and he's going to get into all the hope that we have and everything but he first needs to present the fact that we have a problem and it's a problem that we need to deal with. Um, So that problem is sin. It's we're walking through the course of this world, walking according to the prince of the power of the air which is another name for Satan. Um, So we talk a lot about sin when we come into church uh, and sometimes we don't always like, you know, define it, put the nail on the head with it. Like, What are those specific things? And I think that Paul gives us a really good um, list that we can draw from in Galatians. If we jump into Galatians five, I think I have a slide for it. Now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. It's a long list. But when you read that list, does one of those things not pop out at you? And I don't know what that thing is for you, but I'm positive that something on that list probably pops out for you. Um, So he, he tells us, look, you're not alone in this. You have a sin problem, but you're not alone in this. Uh, he says in his letter to, uh, his first letter to the Corinthians, um, that uh, <laughs> um, that we are all caught up in sin. We all suffer from this, this plague, um, But he doesn't just leave us with this list of of sin. He doesn't just say that we're all caught up in this. He also gives us the reason. And he actually leads off with the reason that we are caught in these sins. And it actually comes here within the first four words of Ephesians chapter two, and you were dead, And I think because it's like in the first four words, it's kind of easy to just kind of skip over it and be like, all right, I have to read Ephesians 2 today. So um, first four words, we're just going to get through that. We're going to get right on to the end. Um, You know, I want to be done. I want to get on with my day. Um, But I think it's important that we stop on this word dead um, because, I mean, Paul picked it for a reason. God put this word in Paul's pen for a reason. Um, So what does it mean to be dead? It's kind of a weird question question, like what does it mean to be dead? Um, I think that it means that you, should be, that you are unresponsive. So when you are dead in this life, when you are physically dead, you are unable to respond to anything. And what Paul is referring to here is not physical death, but it is spiritual death, and what that means is that you are unable to respond to God. Um, and that's that's just something that's kind of heavy, and it's been weighing on me as I've been reading through this. Is that um, when people are caught in sin, and when people do not know Christ, it's not it's not because they're choosing not to. In in many cases, it's because they are physically or spiritually unable to respond. Um, so the problem is we're dead. We're unable to respond. We're unable to believe in the truth of God, um, and there's. My justification for this comes in in Matthew chapter 11, Uh, if we can pull that up. It says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now don't miss this part. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So if you're in this room and you know Christ, I just want you to be encouraged that you have been chosen. You have been chosen to be here Um, and you have been chosen to know him. Um, But we also have to know the the flip side of that coin, right, is that people who don't know Christ haven't quite reached that moment yet. And the only person who can actually change that in them is God. Now, are we called to plant seeds in their life? Absolutely. But the only person who can make that difference is God himself. So, um, I don't want you guys to think that I'm sitting up here preaching on sin and that I'm just like this really awesome, you know, cool guy who is super spiritual, whatever. Um, I would say that I grew up kind of church adjacent, is how I, is how I uh, call it. Um, I knew... About the gospel. Like, I didn't really understand it, I, but I knew, like, oh, yeah, Jesus was this guy. He died on the cross, and somehow that makes me right, and that's cool. But um, I basically just only ever went to church when I was staying over with my brother at my grandparents' house. Uh, our parents just wanted to get us out of the house because we fought incessantly, um, and it was probably no fun to be around us. Um, but we would go and stay at our grandma and grandpa's house on Saturday nights. We'd always watch National Treasure every single time. Best movie ever. <laughs> um, and we would wake up in the morning and go to church. Um, and, you know, we did the whole thing. We did it all right. You know, they gave us a quarter to put in the offering plate so that we didn't go to hell. Um, we, were, we were really good. Um, you know, we sat, we were very quiet during the services. We went to Sunday school beforehand. We did the whole thing. Um, but, I mean, I never met... Jesus through that. Um, it wasn't until about high school that I started uh, proclaiming myself as agnostic. Um, I just didn't know. It was. It's the greatest cop out of all time is to just say, well, you know, there might be a God, but you know, I, pff, I can't understand him. So who can? Um, and that was kind of my life. I was a good kid. Good kid throughout high school, like I wasn't going to parties, wasn't doing anything like getting good grades. Um, and I went, went off to college and I realized that all of that morality that I had built up was really just um, observation. Uh, I was under the observation of my parents, under the observation of my teachers. Um, and as soon as I was given the chance to have a new life, I did. It took me about seven days to discover alcohol. I went from never having touched a drop to falling down on my way home. It was only about two weeks after that that I discovered marijuana, and that became a daily habit. And that was something that stuck with me until I was a senior in college. My senior year of college was probably the hardest year of my life. Uh, I lost a girlfriend of four years and my best friend in the same year, and I had no way to cope with any of it, Um, except for all the things that I had learned from uh, being a student at Ohio University. So I, I, I really didn't know what was going on. Um, I applied for an assistantship. I was kind of freaking out. I, I took it and I moved halfway across the country to Arkansas, bringing with me um, a desire to party, an intense loneliness, and an addiction to marijuana. And I had nothing to do I just, I just knew that there was something missing from my life. I thought, if I just, if I just get a girlfriend down there, I'll be fine. If, if I just like, you know, make sure that I get a, a good drug hookup, I'll, I'll be good. I just find some friends that I can go out with on Friday nights, it'll be great. Um, I'll just start my new life in Arkansas, and it'll be awesome. So if you're in this room right now and and you think that you're the only person in here who's got sin, like you're looking around and you're like, everyone here is so super spiritual. Everyone's like, you know, they've got their Bibles out. Mine's only on my phone. Like, I don't know what's going on. Um, I want you to know that I'm standing up here. I'm standing up here and I was caught in all of that. We're all at one point, we're following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, otherwise known as Satan. So, Paul sets up a huge problem in our life. You can see what my life looked like without Christ. You you can see what anyone's life might look like without Christ. Um, And he sets this up as this huge problem. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. But he doesn't leave us in that. He gives us the solution. Um, We're in this incredibly hopeless situation. There's nothing that we can do. We're not able to respond, and we're just following this power that is more powerful than we are. And he says in verse four, but God. And I mean, he can stop there. But he keeps going. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, For by grace, you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So Paul gives us a solution. It's God. It's the only solution that we have. Um, God makes us alive, which means that he makes us able to respond to him. makes us able to receive his mercy and grace, makes us able to believe, and it's a God-given understanding. If we jump back into Matthew, we can see a a biblical account of when this happens uh, to uh, Peter. Um, In Matthew 16, it says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, Others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the son of the Christ, the son of the living, or you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon bar He tells him, hey, you got the answer right. Good job. But he follows it up immediately by saying, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. So he says, hey, Peter, awesome, great job, you got it, but you didn't know that. The only reason that you knew that is because my Father in heaven told you. The only reason that you realize who I am is because of God, and that is true for all of us today. God has not only chosen you, but he has given you the ability to understand who Christ is and what he has done in your life So this, I had a moment like this as well. Um, I had, so like I said, I'd been to church, um, but I'd never really, you know, got into the whole thing, and you know, we went through everything that happened to me in college, and I moved moved down to Arkansas, and I'm in a really rough place, and I, maybe within the first week that I was there, was in a rehearsal. If you don't know me, I'm a music major. I play trombone. Um, so I was in a rehearsal in the back, and you get a lot of time to talk in the back. It's really great. Um, I see you back row. Um, and my friend, one of my best friends now, uh, who is a bass trombonist, looked over at me, and he just said, uh, hey, uh, are you a church-going guy? I didn't realize that I had moved to like the heart of the Bible Belt, um, but I, I definitely did. Um, and he said, hey, are you a church-going guy just trying to get to know me? Uh, and I almost laughed in his face um, because that was the furthest thing, I was the furthest thing from a church-goer that you could possibly be. Or at least that's how I felt. Um, I didn't. I just said no. And uh, he still, you know, loved me and respected me and uh, we became very good friends after that. Um, but it wasn't until... Late October, uh, actually about this time of the year, that I was, um, you know, still caught up in sin, still had no way to cope, and still had this really intense loneliness uh, and this feeling that something was missing in my life. And um, I was sitting there. It was a Monday night, and that question just started ringing around in my head: "Are you a church-going guy? Hey, are are you a church-going guy? Hey." Are you a church-going guy? And I, I, I probably sat at my kitchen table for two hours with no music on, and that's like, that is mind-numbing for me. Like, I can't, I can't, I have to have something happening in the room, uh, and I was just, it always happening in my head. And I just pulled out my phone, and I texted him, and I was like, hey, do you remember when uh, you asked me uh, if uh, I was a church-going guy? And he said, no. I was like, well, okay, you did. That was a, that was a thing that happened. Um, but I just wanted to ask you, um, hey, are you? He said, yeah, I am. And I asked him if I could go to church with him. Um, luckily, I asked him on a Monday night because we went to our college service. We went to, it was a very big Southern Baptist church. I mentioned we were in the Bible Belt. Um, and uh, that, that college service was called C3. Uh, huge, huge room, and it was full. Full of people. You know, we got the smoke machines going. You can really see the spirit move in the room when you have that, yeah. Just, that's a joke. Um, um, but I had never been into a church and felt so seen in my life, and it wasn't because of any of the people there. It was because God was just working in my heart in a, such a powerful way I can't even describe to you. Um, by the end of the second song, I was crying uh, in the back row, um, and my friend was kind enough to just like kind of like look this way and just <laughs> be fine with it. Um, and I, I, can, I have no idea what they preached on that night, but I can tell you I was sold. I, I knew that that was where I needed to be. I knew that God was the thing that I was missing, and I, I got home and I texted my brother and just said, hey. Um, I just went to church and he probably like crapped his pants. <laughs> um, and he texted me, uh, or I was texting him. and I was like, okay, so like, what do I do now? And he was like, Hey, you know, just, you know, read the Bible, start in Matthew and just, you know, go. And I took that and I just ran with it. Um, I went to church the next Sunday, uh, and you know, I said a prayer, gave my life to Christ and never looked back from that day. Um, And I just think it's incredible that that all happened to me. God started moving in my life. He lifted the veil from my eyes while I was in sin and while I was still addicted to marijuana and while he knew I was going to fall to more sin in the future. But he came to me right exactly where I was in that moment and he pulled me out of it. Knowing that he wanted to make me like Christ. And I'm still not over that today. I think that's just, I I, I have no explanation for you for how he loved me that much and how he loves every single person in this room that much. So Paul doesn't stop there, and that's incredible because, I mean, that's already so much. Um, But in verse 10, he jumps back in and says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we are his workmanship. Christ bore our sin so that he could save us from death. But he didn't just save us from death. He saved us for something. He saved us for good works. He saved us for his work. He saved us for his mission. This is where we start to get into like tricky waters um, with everything like because good works are now in the picture and I just want to be clear, absolutely clear so that no one hears this wrong. There is nothing good that you can do to earn your salvation. There is nothing bad enough that you can do to lose your salvation. If you have accepted Christ into your life, you have been saved and he wants you on his team. Um, So At this point, um, back in in my story, I am, um, I'm not a slave to sin anymore. You know, I've I've been made alive. um, And that's not because of anything that I did, as I just said. Like, that's only because of Christ working in my life. And what I think is amazing is that Christ has set out good works for you to accomplish now. He hasn't just saved you from your sin, he saved you into something. And he has plans for your life that are, that are set before you. Um, I went from smoking weed every single night and playing video games to leading a, a, a men's Thrive Bible study um, over this summer to standing before you today preparing a message on Ephesians 2. And I mean... It, if that isn't enough of, of like, that's, that's just a God thing. Like I have no other explanation for you other than that being a God thing. Um, if we pull up Second Thessalonians here, I, have a, I think I have it on a slide here. Um, but we ought to always give thanks to God for you brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved, through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by uh, our letter. So, as I said, we are his workmanship. He's called us to good works. And what that work is, is spreading the gospel and spreading that truth to people who do not already know that truth. Um, I think that this passage in Ephesians is, is incredible um, because it, it just, he, Paul walks us through the biggest problem that we'll ever have to face, the solution to that problem, and a decision that we can make, which is to live in Christ. So we spent a lot of time talking about Ephesians, We didn't really spend a whole lot of time talking about how to cope. So let's talk about how do we take this information and learn how to cope with whatever the things are um, that we're dealing with in our life now. Um, And the the simple answer is, you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. Um, Jesus can handle the biggest problem that was ever set before you. The biggest problem that needs dealt with and if he can handle that for me, if he can handle that for you, for everyone in this room, and for everyone in the world at once, he can handle your midterm. He just wants you to give it to him. He just wants you to trust him. Now, I'm not saying don't go home and like not study. Like that's, that's like I'm just going to close my Bible and say, or open up my Bible and just say like, you know, I'm not going to study my, my memory terms. I'm just going to read Ephesians, and we're going to be good. Like, that's not, that's not how that works. Um, still, still study, but trust in him. Um, if we look at um, Romans 6, if we can pull that up. Or, sorry, not Romans 6. Uh, Matthew 11, sorry. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He just wants you to come to him. He wants to give you rest. He wants to ease your anxieties about whatever problems that you may be struggling with right now, and he wants you to give them to him. He wants to do this for you because he loves you so much that he humbled himself by not only becoming a man, he humbled himself to the point of death, and while you were dead, while you were running away, he made you responsive to him. He made you alive, and he died on a cross for you. The most important problem in your life has already been solved by Christ. And if it hasn't, It can be even tonight. Um, In Romans 6, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in Romans 10, it says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you don't know Jesus tonight, and this is gonna be a little blunt, you're dead, you're unresponsive to God. But if you're feeling that spirit move within your heart right now, I am just begging you to respond because what that means is that God has chosen you. God has given you a gift and he wants to see you respond to him. No earthly problem that you are ever going to face is as big as this one in your life. And I just hope that if that's something that's stirring in your heart right now, um, that you won't leave here tonight without um, either talking to me, talking to Mike, or someone about how you can meet Jesus and how you can have the biggest problem, the most severe problem in your life, solved once and for all. Let's pray. Father, I am just in awe of you. Um, I'm in awe of all that you do and all that you've done for us and how much you love us. Um, God, I pray that if there's anyone in this room right now um, that does not know you, um, I just pray that you would move in their hearts in a way that they cannot deny. I pray that you would just fill them with boldness uh, to come speak to somebody about how they can know Jesus as their Savior as well. God, I pray for everyone else in this room that um, is dealing with uh, problems in their life right now, whether that be family, whether that be school, whether that be work, that they would just put their trust in you, in that. And God, that they would just be encouraged to know that they, do, they did have um, the biggest problem that they've ever faced solved for them by Christ, Lord, and that they can trust you to solve every other problem in their life. God, I thank you. Um, for this day. I thank you for all these people, um, and I pray that we would go out from here just knowing how much you love us. Amen. Thank you, everyone, and you are dismissed.